All right. Well, so you were telling me earlier about differences between like when you're in a restaurant and what you see in like their commercials or something like that. And they're the do's and don'ts yeah. of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, well, here's the thing. No like, matter, we, we've both been in the industry for a very long time. Yeah, for a very long time. I've about half my life. Um, definitely, definitely. Here's the thing. If you ever go to a restaurant because you saw that that food looks so damn tasty on that commercial, let me tell you something right now. It ain't going to come out like that. By no means. Mm-hmm. It's not going to look like the picture. If you're expecting that, you already set yourself a failure. So that's, that's a good saying I like to say. Keep your expectations low. Never be disappointed. Um, if you're going to like a five star restaurant, and well, yeah, now if they, a five star restaurant, they play things with little tweezers and exactly. Stuff like that. Now, if you if you if well, first and foremost, if you go into a five star restaurant, I guarantee you, you didn't see no commercial advertisement for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, yeah, it, the presentations you see on these commercials, that's the kind of stuff you do get out of those four and five star restaurants where presentation is just as important as the taste of the food. Um, but if you go to like your local chain restaurant and you're thinking that since you saw this commercial with this steak and rib combo and it just looks so damn mouthwatering and good that you're going to go out there and get it. I'm telling you right now, it does not look like that. It will not taste like that. Uh, and I will tell you something right now. If it does not look like what you want it and it does not taste like what you want it because you were expecting what you saw in that commercial. Keep your damn mouth shut. If you send that food back in that kitchen, chances are you went into a restaurant where you probably didn't, shouldn't have sent that food back in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to go a little bit into deep about that, about what we've seen working from it, what we've seen uh, as on the customer side of it, as well as what you should really expect when you go into these types of restaurants. Um, now, if you're looking at one of those local chain restaurants, uh, I don't know if we should throw names out there or not. Um, well, let's not throw any let, Let's not ones. throw any names out there, but you know the ones where there's like three of them within a quarter mile. Um, pretty, pretty much any chain restaurant that has like a trio platter on their appetizer. Oh, there you go. Because <laughs> that's like four of them. <laughs> Uh, you know something beside that here's a rule of thumb if you go into a restaurant and they've got 50 items on the menu your mindset should not be damn they got 50 things on this thing it's got to be good it should be damn they got 50 things on this menu that means they can't do shit right that's just going to be that's, that's mm-hmm. how it is if, if the the more extensive the menu is the less likely everything's going to be good yeah because you um, can't really you can't keep up with all yeah, that there's no way you can perfect 50 meals on a daily basis. That's why if you do go into your four and five star restaurants or your high high end restaurants you go into, most of them on a daily have a different menu every single day. There's only about four to five items you can pick on that menu and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't go in there and say, hey, can I have this, but hold this, hold this, hold this. They don't work out that same way that way. You, that's why you need to go to the chain restaurants. Um, but also understand, if you go to a chain restaurant and you order a medium well steak, <laughs> and that thing comes out to you, well done. Now let me go and tell you right now. The fact that you ordered a Midwell steak, you were you were on the edge of hockey puck as it was. Yeah. I think, um, but think the fact Go- that you decided to order a Midwell steak and it comes out Midwell. I think Gordon Ramsay says Gandhi's flip flop. Yeah. I see. There you go. It, terrible. Terrible. Just full of sweat and bullshit. It's just all your hopes and dreams washed down that drain with the rest of the flavor from that steak. Um, you don't now, want that. There's uh, a country song right there. There you go. Right sweat, there by sweat, sweat and bullshit. <laughs> sweat and bullshit like the juice from that steak you're cooking out of there. Um, but, yeah, if you order that Midwell steak and you get a well, I'm going to tell you right now, you just go ahead and throw as much A1, Heinz 57, ketchup, whatever the hell you need to, whatever steak topping you need, throw it on there, eat it. Because I guarantee you, if you send it back 
and one of these local places, there's just a chain restaurant that you see on commercials all the time where you get coupons in the mail from, mm. your food's going to be messed with. Oh, yeah. You just go in there expecting that. Even if you order, like, a medium steak and it comes out a little If you order a medium steak and it comes out just like a medium plus, almost on the edge of medium, medium well, damn it, eat that steak. And here's a couple reasons why. Two things you need to realize, especially when it comes to cooking steak in a restaurant. The lighting that they have in the kitchen is totally different from the lighting that's out there in the dining room. Most times you go out in the dining room, they have more of a a yellow tinnish light, kind of like when we got over in the corner, it kind of gives off a yellow tinge. So if you're going by just look, that's not going to do you justice right there. Yeah. Uh, in the kitchen, the lighting is a hell of a lot better because they need to see what the hell they're doing out there. Yeah. So if they're cooking a medium steak, they need to make sure that that steak's medium. Now, they ain't going to cut into your steak unless they just don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> they can do it all by temp and touch and figure out what yeah. it needs to be. Have you ever realized, though, that they do, like in the shittier chain restaurants, they keep the dining room pretty dark so you don't see how well, yeah, the food is? See, there you go. That's the trick of the ice right there. We yeah. want to keep everything. It's the same thing with a bar. See, in a restaurant, let's keep everything dark. That way you can't see our mess-ups. In a bar, it more grows towards sales. Keep the heat high. Keep it hot in here. That way you're going to keep you drinking. Mm-hmm. It's all bust- it's just an illusionary thing that they're trying to put you in a certain environment that they're going to put it to you as hospitable. It's more so, let's just try to hide our mistakes. Yeah, it's like the same reason why they don't put clocks in casinos. Oh, well, there you go. You don't yeah. Yeah, you don't want that. You don't know how long you've been there because you're going to be on the time frame trying to get on out of there. That's just, that's just kind of how it is. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you'll realize that that you can even look to next time you go into a restaurant, ask be seated close to the kitchen. Just look at the just look at the light. Look at the lighting between the kitchen and the dining room, and you'll see there's about five different shades right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if they come out there and they say we cooked you a perfectly medium steak, in their eyes, chances are you probably have. If you're going just by look, not texture, not taste, it's it's, it's your your uh, conclusion is probably going to be wrong. Yeah. Um, but you got to understand what kind of setting you're in. If you're in a setting where you're working or not working, but you're a customer into one of these chain restaurants and it looks like half the kitchen staff been picked up off the side of the street, don't send your stuff back. Oh, don't, don't send it back. I'm just telling you right now, I've been there. I've seen them. I've seen what the hell they've done to your food. Don't do it. Don't do it. Do not send it back. Yeah. Well, that kind of gets us into our topic for today is just horror stories of us being in the service industry and what we've seen. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I've heard a lady say she didn't want her, she wanted her chicken breast with no seasoning. That cook took that chicken breast, he threw it on the floor, stopped on it and said, here's your no seasoning and threw it right back on the flat top. We damn, that lady didn't eat it. That's the kind of crap that you will get in these restaurants. I'm yeah, telling no. you, just be careful. Be careful what you do. Be careful what you choose to eat at. Be careful with what you decide to send back. Now, don't get me wrong. If you ordered a well-done steak and the bad boy came out to you rare, yeah, you just send that back. So he he took the chicken. Oh, no, he took a new chicken breast, took it, threw it on the ground, said, y'all can't hear it, that's a stomp. Threw it back on the flat top and said, okay, five minutes. <laughs> and now, I was a young pup at this time, so I just sat there and with my mouth agape of like, what the hell did I just see? And kitchen manager said, okay, five minutes for it. Yeah, and those, it went on out. First of all, they're not getting paid enough back there to deal with a lot of people's bullshit. And, and that's what people don't understand. They're thinking that they're cooks. Okay, here's the thing. If there is one job out there in the world where you don't get your 15-minute break, you don't get your 30-minute lunch break, you don't get your hour-long lunch break, it's a cook. Now, a cook's life, especially if, say, you're AM cook, 
your shift pretty much starts between six and seven o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And your shift doesn't end to about four o'clock in the afternoon. Other than there being a little bit of a downtime for you to be able to step outside and smoke a cigarette or whatever you want to do, you don't get a break. There isn't a 15-minute break. There isn't a 30-minute lunch break. There ain't an hour-long break. Only time in the restaurant industry that you actually get a break is if you're working a double. And you're lucky if that. Yeah, I just, I mean, I've worked a lot of doubles in my life. I've never gotten a break. Yeah, no, it's just straight on. Yeah. Just, just just, don't leave. Yeah. Don't so leave. Like, just keep right, working. All right, you're done with this shift. Now go grab that table. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's kind of it. So next thing you know, you're like, oh, damn it, I walked in the door at 7 o'clock this morning, and it's 11 o'clock at night, and I'm still here, and I ain't stepped outside once. I ain't done nothing. Yeah. I barely be able to take a piss. That's the, that's the constraints these people are working on. They're being told to work eight plus hours, cook all these food for all these people, mm-hmm. cook it right, keep it a temp, don't eat any of the food, and do it all without a break. Yeah, I mean, like with servers and bartenders, if you get a little time to eat something, it's you're grabbing a quick bite and chewing it on the way to go serve someone. And half the time, they don't make enough money, so chances are they're going to take whoever the hell left their food on the plate and go eat that shit. If you don't think that oh, sometimes I... you have servers who take the food that you left on your plate when you left and cash out and went to the back of the kitchen before they dumped it out and scarfed down on it, I'm telling you right now, you're blinding yourself. I mean, yeah, that happens in every restaurant. They make two thirteen an hour. All right? They, $2.13 an hour. So that nickel you left them... Ain't doing much. They got to feed themselves. No. I remember I was working at a, a bar, Louis, in Chicago. Mm. And um, one of my favorite things ever was, like, someone would have a bite of their food mm-hmm. and then didn't like it and send it back. Oh, yeah. So I would just... Quickest scheme in the world. Get free food. Yeah. You just cut off the part that they ate off mm-hmm. of. And then you got pretty much a full oh, meal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If, if a table out there ordered chicken tenders and fries, guess what? They only ate two of them chicken tenders. Guess where the rest of them three chicken tenders going? And somebody's tummy. Mm-hmm. It might not have gone home with you in a doggy bag, but somebody's eating that food. Um, and that's sad. Cause that's, that's that's damn near looking at somebody eating trash. Dog, I mean, Doggy a, bag, too. I haven't heard that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's damn near the step of people going to the trash and digging out food. I've seen that in the restaurant industry as well. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, and, and that's not necessarily on the customer's part. It's, it's also got to be on the employee's part. I mean, you put yourself in a situation where you're working in that type of environment mm-hmm. where you're not making enough money to make ends meet. Serving is a hard job. I don't think a lot of people understand that. Um, working in the restaurant industry by itself is a hard job. Um, a lot of people look at it as, oh, they're just waiting. They're just wait staff. They're just wait staff. That's all it is. Or they're just going yeah. back there and cooking. You, you go to work tomorrow. I don't care what job you have. You go to work tomorrow and let your boss look at you and tell you, hey, I'm going to need you to work a 12-hour shift today. Uh, you ain't getting a break. You can't step outside. You can't step away from this station right here for the for the whole 12 hours unless you got to go piss and you got to find somebody to cover your station. Otherwise, you got to stand right here for these next 12 hours. And do that on a daily? Man, that's, that's, that's a pain in the ass. Yeah, I think the other, like... Occupation I can think of that does that is like a nurse. Oh yeah, like if you're in a medical profession, a profession. I mean, you're gonna have those situations where you have emergency people coming in, EMTs yeah. coming in, rushing people in, where you just don't have that time to stop. You yeah. just don't have it. And I do, um, I do have a friend that's a, a nurse, and she, her schedule is kind of interesting because it's she does one week of twelve hour shifts mm-hmm. and then gets one week off. Okay. And oh, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? That'd be nice. I mean, at the end of that week, you're going to sleep for two oh, days. Oh, yeah, yeah, two days I'm going to sleep, but hell, I still another four or five days I can chill. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's like the only other 
profession I could Yeah, think of. I know um, my significant other. Um, her mother was uh, in the medical field for years. Her mother and her grandmother both were in the medical field for years. And I know her schedule when she was working. She was working, I believe, 12-hour days, um, like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. And she was off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, which that was hell because she was still in school at the same time. And so she was trying to do that. And then prep all her meals for the entire week. And I think like every other Sunday or something like that, she was on call, which that's a pain in the as well. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's another stressful job you're gonna have where you don't get those scheduled breaks. You know, the labor law does not apply to you for some reason. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing, but the relationship between employees and management and the industry, um, management and industry believe that the, uh, that the labor laws do not apply to you. And they right. found that loophole. The loophole they found is that though you might be a cook or a server, you're still entitled to at least a 30-minute break after, I want to say, like six to eight hours of work. If you work for like eight hours, you're entitled, or six hours, you're entitled to at least a 30-minute break. Um, yeah, I mean, no one's looking at their clock, though. But the way, no, the way it's worded, upon request. Oh. That's how the restaurant industry has gotten away with for so long with not giving people breaks is because it's worded that after six hours of work, I believe, now you have to go back and check my facts, but I believe after six hours of work, you are entitled to a 30-minute lunch break or a 30-minute break upon request. I guess I never really looked at that law. And well, that's how they try to explain to us, like, you've got to request it now. Let me tell you yeah. right now, we try starting to request that shit, but we'll talk about pissed off. Yeah, because I know, <laughs> I know, like, with the, the, the salary, like, bartenders making two 13-an-hour uh, wait staff is making four fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, they can get around that because they're called tipped employees. They they get tips. Right. And which I'm not. I'm like I'm on the fence if I like that system. Well, see, when when it comes to tip employees, I think the only reason that rules in place is just to make sure that they meet the minimum wage requirements. Yes. And that's uh, one of those things. That's nothing about the industry. That though those employees are only making two thousand thirteen cents an hour. If their company is doing things right, and I say doing things right, I want to say they're actually paying their labor laws and labor what they need to be doing. Pretty much any hand. corporate restaurant will exactly will do the that. mom and pop places. We'll get into that in another episode because we got a couple horror stories about that one. Um, but typically, the corporate places they have it set in place that you've got to make minimum wage. We're going to pay you two thirteen an hour, but the amount of tips you make should help you equate out to that seven fifteen an hour. Yeah. And, and that's they, almost how they kind of weed people out now, too. Like, if, Yeah, if, and, if you, and if they don't make minimum wage with their tips included, they'll bump up the hourly. Yeah, the, co- the, the company itself has to add in that additional money to make sure that you met that minimum wage requirement. Right. And, of course, now, even when they say that, that's not saying that you pay me two thirteen an hour, and so I made you know this amount of tips, and that's still under that. They're going to just start paying you minimum wage. No, no, no. They're going to pay you the minimum amount they have to pay you to add on top of the tips that you made. Yeah. And if to you equate you out to that, and if you make too much tips, your two three hundred an hour goes away. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a lot of servers out there who'll get a paycheck and they said I've worked fifty five hours this week and their paycheck is literally three dollars. Yeah. Sometimes fifty cents. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it can, it, nothing because those do come out of their paycheck. So most of these servers out there realize they don't get a paycheck. They don't bring a paycheck home. Mm-hmm. That paycheck can't even put a gallon of gas in the car. All right. So um, that, that, that's what makes me upset too, because like there's out there that like oh it's tipping is not a requirement well the thing is it's not a requirement le- yeah legally it's not a requirement it is not a requirement um but i mean don't be an ass but understand this tipping is not a requirement but paying your bill at the end of, at the end of the meal when you're ready to leave and you're ready to pay your bill mm-hmm. 
that money doesn't go to that. None of that money gets taken out to pay for your server. It what money comes out of pay their server is literally two dollars and thirteen cents. Mm-hmm. So if a server has served for an entire week, let's say they get a weekly paycheck, they've served the entire week and they've had a bunch of entitled <laughs> motherfuckers come in here and say tipping's not required, and they don't tip, then the company's coming out of the pocket to pay them minimum wage, which means. To clean up your mess and your nasty spit and your nasty dip cup you got sitting over there on the corner of the table and you let your kids spread ketchup all over the walls and seats, right. they're literally getting paid minimum wage to clean this crap up. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now. If you don't think a maid who does this kind of job of cleaning up after nasty people don't get paid more than that, you're crazy. Yeah. You're crazy. Like I went to, I went to Ireland last year, mm. and um, I knew tipping really wasn't a thing over there. Hmm. Um, pretty, uh, U.S. is the only country that does it. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah I didn't know that. Um, yeah, in Europe and pretty much everywhere else, you don't tip because servers and bartenders, they make a decent wage. Right. A decent hourly. And I remember going over there, and a friend of mine um, that was from Ireland, she was like, no, if you tip them, that, that's rude. Because it's making them think Ma- like you're looking down on them. Oh, here, here, here's a little extra because I know your life's shit. Oh, and well, I can see that. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, they understood that we were Americans and we don't know what, well, well, and I, what's God, going like, on. I'm sure they feel so bad for Americans right there. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's not a lot of things foreign countries sit there and say. I feel bad for Americans yeah. right there, but that's probably one of them right there. It's like, mm-hmm. geez, you guys don't even make a livable wage. I mean, a livable wage. Yeah. Even if your best server, think about this. If your best server goes out there and they make, let's say they work five days a week. Mm-hmm. Okay, they make 75 bucks throughout the entire ship in tips. That money is going to be subtracted from their hourly. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's not like they're going to get a $2.13 an hour check for 40 hours. No, 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 no. However much they're making tips is going to be taken away from that hourly. Mm-hmm. That's why they can get away with giving you usually. Like a usually, it's, it's like taxes. And yeah, it's stuff. usually just all the taxes that come hit you on it because you got to claim it. Yeah. If if well, if you're a server and you're doing things the right way, you've got to claim it. I think most of us in the surf industry, low, low. <laughs> yes. We won't even go there. We won't even go there. We're going to keep that a secret. Let little, them keep P- trying to find it. Little PSA announcement. Yes, you have to claim your tips. Yes, you must always claim 100% of all of your tips. Don't anybody else tell you anything different? Theoretically. Theoretically. Or legally, I guess you have to. You have to do it. If you want not if you want to not be able to feed yourself this weekend, make sure you claim 110% of your tips. Mm-hmm. If you want to be able to pay your light bill next week, just you know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> You've been in the industry you, long enough. You know you know how to, you know how to do this. You got pockets, you can run out. You know how to figure <laughs> it out. You know how to work that system. Uh, I got a question for you. All right. Can you think of one bad tipping? Like, really horrible tipping experience. Where I've had to tip somebody horrible no, 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 or where no. I've seen somebody else do some Like, someone tip? tipped you horribly. Oh, somebody tipped me horribly? Yeah. Oh. Uh, you, both of us, we've been bartenders and servers for a long time, and we've been management, and we've been hosts. And, I mean— Because I, I have one very specific and see, like, And I'm not going to sit here and toot my own horn. I'm, I typically, when I'm bartending, I, I try to be as bubbly as possible. Um, I but try there's, to, there's always that one. You're person. always gonna have that one, and but see, even when I'm, I'm really good at being able to point out that one mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what the hell I got to do extra to make that motherfucker happy, to try to make this thing work out a little bit better. Uh, I know I have had some pretty damn crappy tips, and that, 
Okay. Instead of me saying, like, this is the situation where I got the worst tip because the person was just an a-hole, I will say I've gotten the worst tip I've ever, ever – the worst tip I've ever received was from a family that wanted to treat their kids out to a meal but did not have enough money to properly treat their kids out to a meal. When I say properly, I don't mean just being able to pay the tab because if you're going out to eat – and you do not include, and if you don't include a tip when you're planning on going out to eat, you're an ass. It's as simple as that. You're, you're, you're bad. Yeah, I mean, um, if you don't have enough money to go, go to the grocery store, cook something, go to the, the, the local Piggly Wiggly and figure it out, or go to uh, Taco Bell or or any fast food chain restaurant. Yeah. And, or better yet, order your food to go. That, w- that would save you money, too. Order your food to go. There's no extra charge to going up there and pulling the parking lot and picking it up. Mm-hmm. I still will consider you tip that person right there, but. Maybe you can still leave them a dollar or two. That's that's better than what the person is going to be waiting on you for the next half hour to an hour is going to get. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would say that. But if you want to take your family out to eat, but you've only got, let's say you want to take, I've got me and my wife and my two kids, and all I've got is about 40 bucks. And I want us to go out to eat. Plan out where you're going out to eat. Plan on making sure that whatever you eat, wherever your total bill is going to be, that is a minimum of about five to seven dollars cheaper than what your max budget is. Yeah. If so you, if, you can leave if, a tip. That if you, that if you got forty bucks in your pocket, plan on spending thirty five of that on the food. Uh, yeah, that's it. And that, then and the, and that's pre, that's post tax, not pre tax. Yeah. Post tax, uh, because though you might be on a budget, and you might not be able to afford to take your family out and just do wine and dine them all the way you want to. There's still another person on the other side of this thing who is literally cleaning up after your mess. Clean. If you're one of the people who can't eat your food over your plate and keep it on the damn plate, guess who's cleaning it up? The same person you left ten cent to. Mm-hmm. I was I was working once. This this again was in Chicago, mm-hmm. and I was serving for this place, and I like I instantly knew that well, I'm going to get screwed over tonight. So I had that. Oh no, I, I had intuition that kind of, right there. That yeah, comes I had with that business. kind of feeling. And sure enough. Ten dudes come in, sit down at my table. Mm-hmm. Now I couldn't take another table because one, they took up most of my tables because they pushed them all together. Mm-hmm. Two, whenever I would go over and ask, "Does anyone need anything?" One of the ten guys would say, "Yeah, can I get this?" I'm like, "Okay, anything else?" They're like, "Oh no, no, no!" And so I go, I grab whatever they need, and I come back, and then another guy is like, "Hey, can I get one of these?" Oh yeah. And like, okay, fine. So yeah, somehow and, everybody's figured up what they really needed as soon as you left the table. Yeah, yeah, that's just a and I like, I, I got so fed up. I'm like, All right, I'm not coming back for a little bit. Does anybody need anything? And if you say no, I'm not bringing you anything. I'm not coming back for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And man, they racked up. I think it was about a three hundred and seventy dollar tab, and they paid cash. Of course, one one guy had the cash on him. Uh huh. He whips out this stack of hundred dollar bills. Uh-huh. Like he easily had at least five grand in his hand. Oh yeah, and that's lottery money, son. That's our lottery money. What, what, what day? You know the month? Oh uh, no, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't lottery money. No, I, I'm not saying that. But you didn't know the the month when he got it or the the date. No, was it spring or anything like that? I, I, yeah, that's I, I don't tax money, and that's all that shit was for. Oh, he had I, money to do that shit on the other day. Mm-mm. Because I've seen that guy in there before, and he's definitely not paying taxes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is money that he got illegally. And I don't know what they were celebrating. I mean, it could have been a bachelor party. It could have been 
his drug runners had a good month. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so this guy whips out a couple thousand dollars yeah, in hundred dollar bills. Yeah, about well, close to five grand, if not more than that. Yeah, because it, it was thick. Right. And it was all hundreds. And I know that because I saw it all. Yeah. And that's nothing. Don't flash your money. No. Don't. If anything, you're going to make us. If you're trying to go through this whole process, let me flash your money and show you how much money I got and then not to leave anything. Oh. Are you just a piece of crap, son? Yeah, get this. The tab was like 370 something dollars and like 80 cents. Uh huh. And he gave me 375. He's like, I don't need change. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, excuse me? Yeah. So I was pissed. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I was just not having any part of his shit. So I went and got him change. I got him his 20 cents. I mm -hmm. put it on the table. I'm like, here you go. And just walked away. Yeah. Because I'm like, no, this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, here, here's a question. Did, did, like, he go to management and they complain about anything? Oh, yeah. Okay. Did they complain about you leaving that 20 cent back to him? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, okay. and my GM, it's super cool. And he was like, did you, like, give them 20 cents and change? And when he said he didn't need change, I'm like, yeah. He's like, how much was the tab? $374. He's like, all right, good job. Yeah. <laughs> and see, now, if you go into more, most, uh, I would say, corporate restaurants, they frown upon that deeply. Because I've literally, I've seen... Servers get a 10 cent tip and walk back out that door and stop the customer and say, I'm sorry, sir, you left this. It seems like you might need this a little bit more than I do. Yep. And drop that dime in their pocket and walk in. And guess what? That, that'll lose their job right there. Oh, they'll fire you. And, and they're fired for a second. Now, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people say, well, yeah, no, they should get fired. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. No, what's wrong is you leaving 10 cent. Yeah. <laughs> like, the if you, if you were only planning on leaving 10 cent, you should have took your ass home. You should not have gone out to eat nowhere. Because those people literally live off their tips. Yeah. Their their rent is from them tips. Yeah, and that's why, like, always working for a smaller company, not like a big – like, granted, the bar that I did work at was a corporate bar. Right. But the GM ran it like a private bar. Okay. And okay. he didn't give a sh what we did. We had Jameson all the time. Right. Like, in the dining room. We'd just we'd sit around and have a team meeting mm -hmm. and rip a shot at Jameson and go hey, back hey, to work. Hey, 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 happy employees means happy customers. Yeah. And <laughs> – and that's one big thing with like management. If your management doesn't stick up for you, that's not a place you got to be. And then, and that's one thing. And this is going from this is less leading from the consumer part of it, and more going towards the uh, employee part of it. If you're working into an environment, especially as a server in the hospitality industry, and your management does not give a damn about you or act like they don't give a damn about you, get the hell out of there. Mm -hmm. It's a lot better working. I would much rather work in a private restaurant that had a smaller clientele. Where my management actually gave a damn about me. Even if you didn't make enough, like, as much money. Oh, yeah, I, I, I could be barely making ends meet. I'm going to definitely give more kudos to management who's got my back than a management is going to say, well, we're going to have to let you go because somebody left you a 10-cent temp and you decided to get a 10-cent tip back to them. No, fuck. Yeah. I caught myself right there. <laughs> uh, no, no, damn that. that. That's pretty messed up right there. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's just, for me, that's a rule of thumb. If you don't have enough money to tip, guess what? You don't need to go out to eat. Yeah, and and this is coming from somebody who has worked in the restaurant industry for a long time. I don't necessarily go out to eat. You know, we we're on a very fine budget. You know, we've got to make sure everything's taken care of. We don't go out to eat much, and even when we do, nine times out of ten, we find out that the food that we received and the service we received was not equal to the amount of money we had to pay. Yeah, and even if the service was bad, we're still going to leave a tip because I know that the service not being good 
does not necessarily mean that the server was just a bad server. It could easily mean that they are short-staffed. Mm -hmm. This server has 10 tables out of his normal five-table section. Inexperienced. And he's inexperienced, and he's trying to just bust his butt as much as he can to try to get things done, yeah. or she. I, it doesn't matter. Yeah, because, I mean, um, like, you could tip 10%, mm -hmm. and that that's a bad tip. 10% oh, yeah, oh, yeah. is and, a bad and, tip. And th there's this rule of thumb I think everybody's starting to go by that 10% of a tip is a good tip. Now, no. Look at it like this. If everything you do, you only got paid 10% for it. Mm -hmm. Would that be okay with you? I, I very much doubt it would. I think on any job aspect you ever had, and somebody says, hey, we're going to pay you this much an hour. We're going to pay you $20 an hour, but we're only going to give you 10% of that. Yeah. That's what you get. You wouldn't be okay with that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty common. It's 10 to 20% is where you tip at. Yeah, yeah. And and and, I, I, and I'm sure my service industry people who are listening on, uh, we tip a lot heavier oh than that. I don't know how many times I've been into a place, I'm like, all right, cool. It's a $2 beer Tuesday, and I've had three beers. My tab is $6.89. I'm tipping 10 bucks. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if I'm not as wealthy as my cohort right here. Well, uh, well but, but definitely, I'm definitely at least leaving her $45. Yes. Is that like an 80 to 90% tip? Absolutely. Um, is it going to break my pocket? Absolutely not. Because guess what? I could have easily spent less money, went to the store, picked me up a six-pack, took my ass home. And grab my own beer and save myself all that money. But mm -hmm. the fact is, I decided I wanted to go out for the convenience, the atmosphere, and the customer service. Yeah. I've got to pay for that. And, and another thing is, like, if and that it, beer markup ain't paying for it, right? And like, if you if you're sitting at a table and your service is great, mm -hmm. but the food sucked, do not take that out on the server because they didn't they didn't cook it. Your serve if, if your food takes an hour to get out there. Don't blame your server for it, that. It's, They're not going. Do you really expect them to say, okay, give me just a minute. I'm going to go back here. I'm going to cook your food for you, and then I'm going to bring it up to you as well as continue taking care of all these other yeah. tables? You're being unreasonable. Yeah. If like your it. food sucks, if your food came out now, there's a couple different things we can talk about on that right there. Yeah. Whether, because there's going to be some kind of things that have to, the, the differential between saying, my food sucked because the kitchen didn't do a good job, or mm -hmm. my food sucks because my server didn't ring my shit right. Right. That's yeah, there's there's that too. I mean, they could have screwed up with the ringing in of the food, but it, and that's, like, that's a real if, reality. If everything just came out fine, but it was, it was late, it was cold, under season, it just didn't taste good. Mm -hmm. That has nothing to do with the server. Yeah. Uh, so you're now punishing someone who didn't have anything. To exactly. Do with it. Yeah, and and on some aspects of that, absolutely. If your food comes out cold. In my experience, nine times out of ten, what I've realized is that if your food comes out cold, your food was put in that window hot. Mm -hmm. But depending on the type of environment you're in, if you're in one Once it started cold. Well, yeah, well, yeah once it started <laughs> cold. Once my just didn't give a damn. Um, but in my experience in those situations, chances are you're in a restaurant where there's 50 to 100 other people in that restaurant with you. Your food got made. But your food might not have been the first ticket in line to get thrown out the window. Mm hmm and so, though your your food typically is sitting in a food cut window where the expo station has go ahead and plated your food, they put it up in the window, it's sitting under some heat lamps, it's supposed to be trying to keep it hot, but it might take some time. That also goes into about your steak not being well done or at the temperature right. you wanted to. You know, if, if they're busy as hell and there's 15 tickets before yours, but somehow, some way, your steak got made and it's right up in that window, if it went in that window as a medium and it took more than five minutes to come out to you, Chances are it's no longer medium. Right. 
and like some, and they'll also happen with like cooks. So they like, oh, they see a ticket and they cook something too quick, or they yeah. they they well, cook something too like first that shouldn't have been exactly. And, and, and those are your quick sell items that people try to look at. Yeah. but that has to be an open communication in the kitchen, which has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the customers. And of course, the customers from customer base, you wouldn't know that. But you know, I've I've had a situation where. Okay, well, um, I've got five ticks just came in. Uh, four of them are mid-well steaks. One of them is a mid-rare steak. Well, definitely, unless I just sit, the, unless I decide to sit here and hold on to this ticket for another five minutes until mm-hmm. these other steaks get a chance to cook up, I look at that as a quick sell item. That's a mid-rare steak that I can cook, get done, get plated, get out this window quicker than I can these other steaks. Now, yeah. I think the hiccup that comes in the kitchen is actually looking and saying, is this steak going with another meal? Yeah, time management and ticket Time management. management is a big thing. That's a little thing that I think a lot of consumers don't realize is that these guys aren't just back in the kitchen cooking food. They just, I'm mm-hmm. going to throw a steak on the grill and I know when it's ready, I'm going to put it on a plate and just get it out to you. No, there's a lot of time management because think of it from your aspect. Say you're doing a cookout, okay? And you've got 50 of your families and friends came out to a cookout and everybody, you're cooking steak for everybody. But everybody gives you a temp they want for their steak. Not everybody wants well. Not everybody wants medium well, medium, mid-rare, rare, regardless. You still got to provide this food for everybody. Now, as a home cook on the grill, are you cooking things first? Do you know where the hot spot on your grill is? Mm-hmm. Are you cooking things to get it out quick sale? Or are you waiting for everything to be cooked and be ready at the same time? That's what these guys are doing, but with a way more amount than you're dealing with. Yeah. Let's, um, let's say you're making like a, I don't know, just a big, like a uh, chicken parm. Oh, right, chicken parm. Um, you got to cook the noodles. You got to oh. make the sauce. You got to fry the chicken um, and get the cheese out on there. Um, the noodles and the chicken are going to cook at different times. So you got to yeah. you got to know which one you got to start And I think in a, in a lot of chain restaurants, chances are your noodles are already cooked. Yeah, that's they just, true. They just got to hit. They just got, nine times out of ten, your, your noodles are either going to hit. <laughs> if you're a low-budget restaurant, they're hitting the microwave. Uh, if you're a little bit sure. higher up, they're hitting a water bath. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you're going to cook your noodles. But it still takes about two to three minutes for those noodles to heat up before you can throw it into your pasta. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to get the chicken on the grill. Yeah. Or, or you know, if you're doing the chicken parm, chances are it's fried. Yeah. You're taking your chicken. You still got to batter the chicken, fry it. I don't know about y'all, but I don't like salmonella. So I want to make sure my chicken is done properly. Mm-hmm. That comes all in with communication of saying, hey, chicken parm came in. Kitchen guy, throw your chicken down. Wait a little bit, saute guy, throw your noodles down. Mm-hmm. Wait a little bit, okay, saute guy, pull your noodles out, plate them, throw your marinara, get to right here in the center. Fry guy, give me the chicken, bam, yeah. marinara, sauce, uh, uh, cheese, throw it in the melt, let it go. There, but that's an open communication dialogue that the cook line has to have, and that's really difficult to keep going when you're serving hundreds of people on a Friday night. Yeah, and there's actually there's one TV show that dictates it pretty well for people who don't work in the restaurant. Mm. And it's Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, um, because you're always hearing people yell, "I got two minutes on that steak. I got one minute on that steak. Drop, drop the appetizers. Drop the uh, mm-hmm. the garnish." Because I like I'm going to the window in in two minutes. Yeah, and that's when you have to start. Watch um, those shows, by the way. If you've never been into just either oh, a mom yeah. and pop's place or a chain restaurant. Watch shows like Kitchen Nightmares, not necessarily for the crap you see, which we'll get into that. There's a lot of bad yeah, stuff well, that, that's a whole different But episode. when it turns around, and that kind of gives you the expectation of, like, what these people in the kitchen are actually doing. They're mm-hmm. not just sitting there saying, oh, okay, somebody wants some chicken tenders. I'm going to throw these things out of the fryer and throw them in the grease. 
yeah, some places are doing this. Some places are taking raw tenders, buttermilk flour or flour, buttermilk flour, whatever mixture they got going on. They're frying these tenders cooked to order. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've had tables out there that expect their food within five minutes of them ordering. Yeah. And that's just not a reasonable expectation. Well, you can go to Burger King for that. Exactly. If, if I want my food right here, right now, I'll go to Burger King. Mm -hmm. I, I can get it right here, right now. Just run through the drive-thru because they got their food sitting in a, in a warmer that's just already sitting there. It's already pre-cooked. If you want your food fresh, do this right here. And this is just a favor I'll ask for anybody out there. Take a simple, a very, very simple menu item. Just make a dinner for two. See how long it takes you to prep, make this meal, get it out to the table. And then ask yourself, why am I have the, why do I have this unreasonable explanation in my mind that the people who are behind that door should get my food out to me and half the time it took me to cook it? Yeah. I mean like, why are you thinking that? <laughs> yeah, if if you make a let's go back to the chicken part. If you're making that at home, it could easily take you an hour to do that. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Depending on what you're doing and the why. I, yeah, I could probably knock out a good chicken parm, a good dish chicken parm, probably about half an hour. And that's just coming from me, who's worked in the restaurant industry, and I have mastered multitasking. Mm -hmm. You know, I can cook a chicken parm in 30 minutes, feed the kid, feed the cat, and still back in the living room. I've just, I've mastered it out because I've done it for so long. Um, but if you're just coming out from scratch, look at how much time it takes you to make a good, presentable, nice, clean plate of chicken parm. Mm -hmm. And then... Think about how much time it took you to do that. And then think about what you consider as a reasonable time frame it should take for a professional kitchen to do it. Think about this as well. That professional kitchen doesn't necessarily have all the... Professional chefs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your local chain restaurant is not a professional kitchen. Mm -mm. It is a kitchen filled with line cooks. You know what kind of education you need to have line cooks. You don't have to go to a French culinary school. You don't have to have these special, very, very sharpened Japanese knives. None of that. You can be on the corner, on a corner of the street. You can be on the corner of Dixon Road. You might have been selling something else for a while on that corner, but yeah. it don't matter. And you can get a job in the kitchen. I think the prerequisite for a line cook in a, like a corporate restaurant is don't be incarcerated right now. <laughs> Essentially. Even if, see, here's, here's a great thing. Realize this, too. If you're going to most corporate, low-budget restaurants, and I really want to name some off just because it would help you guys explain, but honestly, it's if you walk down, if you drive down a strip and you see this steakhouse, this steakhouse, this place that's famous for chicken tenders and such, this place that's famous for very hot peppers, or just say that's a hot pepper in their name, regardless, these people are corporate restaurants. Those people who work in that restaurant... <laughs> the, the one very specific restaurant that has a pepper in their name? <laughs> there could be some other restaurants out there that have like peppers in their name. I don't know. I haven't been on... I ain't been to California. There might be some crazy stuff out there. You know, Mexico might have a whole thing called... Uh, Not naming names. Uh, there, I already thought of one. I already thought of another one. Just say it. No, no, I'm not going to say it. It's a place that makes burritos. Oh, ah, see, oh, okay. there's more. There's more than one. You don't know out there. You don't know oh, what I'm talking about. Son of a gun. <laughs> um, if you go to this place, realize these well, people. No, we definitely showed them what we were talking about. Well, yeah, well, no. <laughs> there still might be more. Uh, <laughs> but you got to realize these people, and I and I don't mean to like derogate them and say, oh, these people. I was that guy. I was that guy for 12 plus years. Um, we don't have a culinary experience. We don't have a culinary education. Hell, most of us. Might have a record. You don't know. Most of us might have got. I think in the restaurant industry, 
as long as you haven't stole from somebody. Yes. As long as you don't have a criminal record with thievery on it. Because they don't necessarily do a background check. They definitely don't do a drug test. Uh, as long, cause, yeah, trust me, I, that's another horror story. We go into another episode about the crap you've seen. Boy, I tell you. <laughs> um, so these people, I mean, it's just me and you. All right. Uh, yeah, I haven't stolen from anybody in the last 15 years, so we're good. All right, good. You got a job. You got a job. Because yeah, they're always sure stuff. They're always looking for I mean, you, you could be, you can literally, you can walk into a restaurant and say, do you have any, you have a criminal background? I don't have a criminal background, but I am somebody who's considered as a person of interest in a murder investigation. As long as you ain't stole from nobody, you got a job <laughs> with us. Come on in. We got you. I mean, and those I, are I may or may not have killed my last boss, but I haven't stole from anyone. Right? Uh, then you're good. You're good. So, <laughs> Sh- you Shopping your eyes, get These to work. are not like culinary experts. Now, some of the people here, some of them may. I, I have been in the industry and I've met a lot of people who were um, uh, in the military, mm-hmm. that spent time in, in the military and uh, have gone abroad and done cooking in different situations and then come back out of the military and they just needed to find a quick job and this yeah. is what they jump in at. Uh, I have ran into that a couple situations. There is no corporate kitchen you're going to walk into in, a, in, in the U.S. of A. that does not have somebody in who speaks Spanish. Mm-hmm. That, that just, that's just a thing because— My Spanish got really good when I was there. My Spanish got really good yeah. when the restaurant industry. That's why I've learned most of my Spanish. Spanish class in high school did nothing. My Spanish teacher spoke half German half the time. She was also the German teacher. So it, it was already in flux. <laughs> it was. Like, they can't tell the difference. Uh, yeah, I, speak I, German yeah, I couldn't tell the difference between a damn quesadilla and a, and a burger. I didn't know what was going on. Um, but, you know, so, you know, that's going to be a big, a big influx for them. Um, I won't necessarily go into the legal status. I have run a couple of situations where, you know, legal status was questioned multiple times. Yeah. Um, but, that you know, that that's a big influx of it. So... Don't go in expecting that these people have perfected the art of cooking a prime rib. Yeah. And the majority of them can put out good food. The majority of them have learned by, um, I would say the same way I learned in the restaurant industry, it was definitely trial and error. Yeah. There's a recipe in front of me. I'm going to adhere to this recipe as the best I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to try to make sure that I present the food to you in the best manner as I possibly can. And that's how most corporate restaurants are. They give them a book of saying, hey, this is the recipe. This is the rules. This is what you got to abide by to get what you want. Um, but then you also have to throw in the factor that people's tastes are different. Mm-hmm. And you're going to run to the customer where you said, I cooked this to the book. Of how we should cook it, but that customer likes something different. Right. Um, and that's kind of like with the whole like internet craze of like tasty and everything like that. Yes, yes, they, yes. Uh, um, that, that's the thing right there. If you go on the internet and you look at all these videos to show you how to cook certain meals, um, understand this. Uh, chances are your meal will not come out the exact way. And if it does not come out the exact way, it's because of a big thing, what it's called recipe adherence. Mm-hmm. If it says add a quarter cup of cornstarch, that don't mean add one teaspoon of cornstarch. That don't mean you shake that cornstarch jug in there until you what you think is a quarter cup. It means a quarter cup of cornstarch. Yeah. Um. It, so if you're cooking things on Tasty or or any of those internet memes or things like that you see or recipes online, I get a lot of my recipes online. Nine times out of ten, if I find a recipe online that I like, I am looking at that recipe the entire time while I'm cooking the meal, and if it comes out good, I am writing that recipe down. To make sure that anytime I cook it, I'm grabbing that recipe book out to make sure that I get everything exactly right. See, I'm I'm different in that situation because mm-hmm. like I will I will look at 
let's say five different recipes for the same thing mm-hmm. and I'll kind of take like oh I know I, I like that I know this is gonna be good with that mm-hmm. and I kind of piece them together and then I just go off taste see so I do that I, ne- I the, never write down a recipe I do that after the initial yeah after I've made it the first time and I've kind of gone through I'm like okay this was good but I kind of felt like I needed a little bit more of this and a little bit more of that mm-hmm. then I'll make it a second time and I'll add this and that and I'll kind of judge it from that night if on yeah, it's not, it's not quite right where I want to go to. And also, mm-hmm. I'll constantly adjust my menu until I find that one time where I've made it. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is knockout good. This is perfect. This is the way I want it. That's the recipe that I go through and say, okay, we're cooking like this every time. Yeah. And that's what you got to do. Any recipe you get online, whether you're trying to mimic something you saw in a restaurant that you really like and you want to try to cook it at home, it's going to take time. Just because somebody gives you a recipe and says, hey, this is how you mimic the exact model of a very famous chicken place is nuggets. They hate cows. We'll just give you that. Um, doesn't <laughs> well, mean that you mascot bought, is a cow. Exactly. <laughs> you also got to realize that when people present these recipes, everybody's taste buds are different. Mm-hmm. You know, what might be too much salt for you might not have been too much salt for them. What might have been too much paprika for you might not have been too much paprika for them. You have to take these recipes with a grain of salt of this is the bare bones. I'm going to take this and I'm going to try to perfect it to what I like. Um, and so, but even going with that, though you have your whole taste of what you like and you've done that, you cannot necessarily go out into a corporate restaurant or any restaurant and buy that mm-hmm. and expect things to come out. So if you make a Cajun chicken pasta at home and you perfected the recipe and it tastes exactly the way you like it, and you decide to go out to a restaurant, order a Cajun chicken pasta out there at a restaurant, do not expect that same taste. Yeah. And you can't. And if you don't get that same taste, do not complain about it. <laughs> yeah. This is not the way I made it. That, that, no, no, no. <laughs> that that, that <laughs> don't count here. Okay. It does not count. All right. And so it, the premise of what I'm really trying to say here is it's, a, it's an expectation versus reality type of thing. It's very much an expectation versus reality thing. Um, I would always tell everybody when you go out to eat to a restaurant, no matter how great the place your friends told you it was, it, they can have five stars on Yelp. I really don't care. Keep your bar low. Mm. You'll never be disappointed. Guess what? If you keep your bar low and it blows your mind, it was that much greater. Um, but do not expect whatever pictures you saw on the internet, in a magazine, in a menu, in any type of YouTube advertisement, does not matter. Whatever pictures you saw, do not expect that when you walk into that restaurant. Because all you're doing is set you up, setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. You're it's, not going to get that. I'm just telling you, you're not going to get it. Long story short, if you go out there and complain about something, nine times out of ten, you're going to get f***ed with. <laughs> At the end of the day, just come on down here to the south, visit one of our local meeting threes, and I guarantee you won't be disappointed. Okay, a nice plug for the South. <laughs> meat and threes are good. A meat and three is good. What else can you ask for? Well, I mean. I want a meat. I want three sides, and there's going to be a big old cut of strawberry cake on that countertop wrapping some saran wrap ready for you. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I guess, yeah, that's good. Not, at least that's how we eat in the South. In the South, is nine times out of ten. There ain't never no more than meat. Nine times out of ten, you're lucky if there's meat on the table. Uh, but there's always going to be a meat and three sides. You can get a meeting too. You can get a meeting too. That's just a little sad disappointment though. Was, yeah, well, if you're not a big eater, you get the meeting three. <laughs> Save it for later. I think I've only had a. Meet you get to enjoy it for two days now. I think I've only had a meeting three like twice down here. Oh really? Yeah. Oh man, oh, that's my go-to. Oh, I, really? I see. I don't do the meeting three. I do like the meeting three plus like 
extra side. Okay. <laughs> a, meet, a meeting. I mean, if, if I can go to like the local meeting three place we've got here right in town we live in, yeah. um, I can go in there on like a Saturday and get me a meatloaf, mashed peas and gravy, green beans, macaroni and cheese, yeah. for, and I might add me a side of fried apples to it. For people who don't know what a meeting three is, it's you got a choice of like four different types of protein meat side of it. You get three sides, and it's all like super southern. No, yeah, super you talking about size? It ain't like it's, you get an option of three sides out of four. No, you get an option of three sides out of like fifteen. Yeah, uh, and it, it's mac and cheese, it's collard greens. It's yeah, it's mac and cheese, potatoes. collard greens, green beans, uh, mashed potatoes, uh, fried squash, okra, white beans. Uh, it, it don't matter. Yeah, it, it don't matter. Just think of southern comfort food, and that's and what those it is. are your sides right there. Yeah, and right. nine times out of ten, it's cheap as hell. It's yeah. cheaper than going to McDonald's. See, the one thing that I'm not a big fan of meat and threes is coming from Wisconsin, I like things smothered in cheese all the time. Well, yeah. yeah. There's not a whole lot of cheese in Southern cooking. No, 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 no. See, cheese, when we look at cheese, we look at cheese as, I hope my old lady don't hear this. Uh, (laughs) We use cheese to smother the bad things you try to do here. (laughs) So, yeah. We like cheese. We like the flavor of cheese. And if something somebody cooked wasn't that good, you just smother in cheese. So, you know, it I, makes it better. It, cheese is a priority for me. Uh, see, che- like, cheese is a... Che- cheese, beer, <laughs> and whiskey are my three food groups. Cheese, beer, and whiskey is what we do to hide the bad cooking. Whoever cooks whoever the meal we're about to eat. Well, all right, fine. All right. Difference between the north and south. At the end of the day, it's the same. It's all going to taste good going down. That's true. You might just eat it plain. You can, with you my can, throw, you can throw a brat in there, too. I, I do like a good brat. Oh, I taste some brats. I made some brats. Actually, uh, my significant other made some brats last night, and somehow she had managed to burst them without fully cooking them. I don't know how that she, happened. Did she make them the right way, though, where you get the butter and the onions in the pan and then boil it in beer? And then no, put that... no, 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 no. Oh, these, okay. they, well, these were already beer brats, so they didn't need that okay. aspect of it. First um, off, first off, beer brats that, like, you get in a pack and it yeah. says beer brats on them are not beer brats. Well, that... It's like the the packs ju- beer brats. The, yeah. Well, there's nothing beer about them. Oh, uh, I figured that was something beer Beer brats. Now, this is, like, I learned this in church. I didn't, but. Church told you about beer brats? Yes. It's Wisconsin. Is it a sin to eat beer brats? <laughs> no. It's, you get a pot, and you saute some onions and butter and oil, yeah. and then you pour a Coors Light in there because it's Wisconsin, and people drink Miller Light or Bud Light, mm-hmm. and... Wait, wait, wait. You said it's Wisconsin and people. You say you draw. <laughs> so Coors is only for cooking, not for drinking. Right. Gotcha. I figured y'all would be all PBR on that. Well, you could. Yeah, PBR works fine. Oh, that's the worst beer in the world, but okay. Oh, hey. Pride of Milwaukee. <laughs> but then you. A hangover you, waiting to happen. You, you <laughs> boil it in beer, give them to their nice, that gross gray mm. color. Mm-hmm. Completely cooked through, takes about 10 minutes. Mm. And. Then you finish them off on a grill or a skillet or something mm. that gets some browning and some color on mm. it. That is a beer broth. Okay. See, what we do at the house is uh, that Pax has beer broths and they're beer broths, so we're just going to throw them in a skillet and cook them to they're good and, good and seared on both sides. Were they, were they at least Johnsonville? There was, there was a sale at the local grocery store <laughs> that let us get a, uh, they call it five for five, which means I got to pick uh, five items for five dollars. So I got two packs of broths, two packs of buns, and uh, a pack of some uh, blueberry lemonade, and called it a day. All right. Well, this is now our second episode of this. But podcast at least the sauerkraut, really the sauerkraut was at least Bavarian sauerkraut. 
Oh, there we go. Yeah, no, no. My 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 perfect beer brat, or just a perfect brat for me, is going to be a good grill brat. If I can't do it on the grill, then I'll make sure I sear both sides of it, throw a little bit of water in there, let it cook for like another 10, 15 minutes, and get it done. Um, on a toasted bun with some spicy brown mustard, with some Bavarian sauerkraut, with a little sprinkle of herbal goat cheese. Yeah, I said herbal that. goat cheese. Herbal oh, goat cheese. That was a bougie, bro. Yeah, I, but I tell you, son, <laughs> you throw that with some German potato salad and some potato chips, call it a day. Get all, all I need right after that is a six pack of beer and a baseball game. Leave me alone. Yeah. Leave me alone. I mean, I'll I'll throw some some like relish on it, but if not, cheese. I mean, throw some cheese on there. Get some cheddar brats. Hell yeah, they already yeah. got cheese in there. I don't like cheddar brats. Uh, all right, well. I'm telling you, it's a little sprinkle of goat cheese on there. We tried it the other night. We didn't have no goat cheese because we weren't about to go out and spend money for goat cheese for one pack of damn brats. But Alex, well, my significant other went to the other store and got some uh, <laughs> goat cheese anyway. We'll cut that part out. Um, um, and uh, God, I had it. It was amazing. Are we really at 53 minutes already? Yeah, I think we. I, How do we do that? <laughs> man, you start talking about cheese, and I'll just, I'll start rambling. <laughs> <laughs> I decided to bring up a cheese topic for the Wisconsin man. So um, essentially, I decided to sit here for another hour. Oh yeah, so we're gonna wrap this up real quick. Um, yep, yep. Just a little update on what we're doing. Um, we are developing an app. We're not gonna say what the app is yet. No, um, we're not gonna go into the app. Um, but uh, it's gonna be something that's gonna be beneficial to some topics we're gonna talk about in the future. Right now, we're just uh, kind of getting our feet wet about things we want to talk about. But our main, I think, our main goal is gonna be talking about the music industry and uh, yeah, uh, the way it's impacting Nashville, the things we see. Uh, of course, we're in Music City, so we see yeah. a lot of it. Um, and then we're going to be looking at uh, trying to help you guys help us uh, push our app out that's going to not only uh, help you guys as a consumer, but help a lot of these small local bands that are trying to get up and started and yeah. trying to become successful. And, you know, a lot of these guys are working, sometimes working for free, working for pennies on a dime. And uh, we're just trying to help them out and have to help to help the local national scene and help the local scenes out in the rest of the USA and uh, get them to promote this business we're trying to go for. Yeah, and in the meantime, while we're we're trying to develop that and, and, and build it, we're going to come out with these podcasts and maybe a couple vlogs, cooking yeah. episodes. Yeah, we'll, we'll do I mean, a couple of vlogs because, I mean, uh, though we talk a lot of crap about uh, the restaurant industry. <laughs> we want to uh, show you that we can actually yeah, cook Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we both spent a lot of time in the restaurant industry, and by no means are neither one of us uh, culinary chefs or have a, a, a culinary degree or French training or anything like that. Uh, but what we have had is tons of years in the restaurant industry, and I mm -hmm. guarantee you if something you'll learn out through future episodes. Some of the best cooks, some of the best everyday cooks you find out there are those line cook guys yeah. because they've had to find a way to feed themselves over the same tire food they've had and created in new and inventive ways that are very tasty. So we'll, we'll go into a little bit of that. But um, we really want to try to push more towards um, – Food, culinary things, but definitely uh, the music industry, the mm -hmm. impact that it's had on our lives, the impact that it has on other lives. Um, uh, we'll go through a lot of things. Uh, I know it works a lot with um, uh, special needs on the spectrum. We're going to touch a little bit on that. Mm -hmm. um, but the project we're working on is going to be something that we look to be very, very, very beneficial for everyone here uh, in the U.S., maybe futurely abroad, uh, for their uh, music needs and uh, necessities that they have in life. And it's going to make everything just great and dandy. Yeah. And uh, thanks for listening again. We are uh, we're gonna try to come out with these podcasts pretty regularly, um, but this is also a very new thing to both of us. So yeah, uh, let yeah. us let us know what you think. I I, mean, I I literally work in a basement with like one other guy. 
I, I, work in the, I work in the dark room that we're in right now. <laughs> See, we both work in a very, very enclosed space mess with like one other person, and it's very quiet and lonely. Yeah. So we're going to give you everything uh, that we rant about, that we talk about, things that are going on in today's topics, things that are going on in uh, our world. Um, we're going to try to steer away. We're going to try to follow our three coin bar rules, um, mm-hmm. which uh, you know we'll, we'll dip into all of them later on in the, uh, in the day. But we'll try to keep away from religion. We'll try our best to keep away from politics as much as we possibly can. Uh, and we just kind of want to give you that backside banter of, you know, the experience in life, the day in the life in a bar. Um, you know, something you would have a random conversation with anybody you met if you just walked into a random bar that you've never been into and somebody strikes up a conversation. Things that kind of run off that tangent because mm-hmm. there's a lot of tangents in bars. Oh, yeah. It's pretty much um, you get a couple of beers in you and you could change topics at least four times. Oh, yeah. Uh, you'd be surprised how, <laughs> how much of a life story you're here after two beers in 20 minutes. Uh, it'll happen quick. Uh, but we'll go over all that later, and like I said, we'll definitely introduce you guys to the project that we're working towards and what we want to try to build, and uh, eventually some help we'll be definitely looking out for you guys to help us with to try to not only uh, make a better listening environment for you, but a better listening environment for everyone else around the world. Mm-hmm. All right, well, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. Let us know what you think, and uh, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>